The Daily Boss. I'm Alexel Cabrera. Utah Governor Spencer Cox has signed bill into law granting legislative leaders the power to sign off on school closings based on COVID-19 outbreaks. The new law has raised concerns about government outreach and whether the legislation violates the Utah Constitution. The governor defended the law saying in-person learning is critical during the pandemic. Robert Gerke broke the news Wednesday that some lawmakers are preparing a $36 million bill that would fund school vouchers. Although voters turned down a school voucher measure 14 years ago, Utah Senator Kirk Colomer thinks that public opinion on vouchers has changed. But the Utah Education Association said it was disappointed that lawmakers were preparing a voucher-type bill that could create a system to divert money from public schools. Next, Brian Schott explains how lawmakers have begun to put legal barriers on reporters covering the general session. So with me to talk about access issues at the Capitol building is Tribune reporter Brian Schott. Thanks for joining me today, Brian. Sure. So tell me what this bill would do and why it would make your job harder. Well, uh, what this bill would do is it applies only to the Senate. And if the Senate approves it with a majority, it goes into effect immediately. And the way that it would work is... Uh, I would no longer be able to stand outside of the Senate chamber when they were not in session and grab lawmakers as they came by if there was someone I needed to talk to. I would not be able to do that. What I would have to do is I would have to get in touch with the Senate media person, ask them if I say, hey, I need to talk to Senator so-and-so. So what this is going to do is it just adds an extra layer, an extra barrier to get to these lawmakers and ask them a question. Essentially, that's what it is. It cuts down on part of my work that I find extremely valuable where I can talk to these people before floor time when they're coming from a committee meeting. And it also gives them another opportunity to say no. So last year was a COVID year, and I know they instituted some rule changes about reporter access just to stop the flow of COVID. Uh, this year seems to be different, at least in terms of what the other public health rules are, but the COVID rules seem to be sticking around well, for journalists. Yeah, at least what they put in place. So the House... Uh, there was no access to the North Hallway or the Senate or, or the House Chamber during the the session last year for COVID. Same thing was in place for the Senate. I, I remember this specifically. I was doing a pre-session interview with Speaker Wilson, and we had a photographer in the room. Uh, he asked what the what the process was for getting on the floor, and uh, the people there said uh, it's the same thing as last year. And I said that's strange. Um, that why, why are we con con continuing what happened during the pandemic? And the answer was, well, it worked well. Well, yeah, it worked well for them. It kept the media away from them. Um, it get, you know, it, it insulated them from having to, to talk to us. I know this might sound like reporters complaining about this being harder to do their jobs. Briefly, what does the public lose when reporters can't do their jobs on the Hill? Uh, for example, today I'm working on a story about Senator John Johnson's Senate Bill 157. This bill is very controversial because it basically says parental rights are above everything in the state. The federal It says federal government has no business telling you, Utah, what to do when it comes to education policy. And 
Parents are supreme when it comes to the education of their children. I wanted to go talk to, to Senator Johnson. I texted him and said, hey, I'm going to be looking for you before floor time because I still have that access. And he said, well, I'm, I'm very busy. Talk to one of the people who's helping him out with that. Um, I haven't heard anything from them other than giving a couple of questions to that person. So I don't have what he was trying to do in this bill. His supporters already know about this bill because he's communicating them with them through his own channels, whether that be Twitter, email, Telegram, Facebook, however he does it. Senator Johnson has a um, has has a podcast. This is how he is controlling his message. And that's fine. But, you know, he is presenting his side of the message. He's not being challenged on it. No one's really asking, what are you trying to do? What does this language mean here? So that's what you're going to lose. You're going to lose that. You're going to lose the ability to find out about something quickly because this is going to set, set, set it up. So the Senate will, will essentially be able to say, this is your shot to ask questions about it. And the clock is ticking. And everybody's going to be there and everybody's going to have the same story. They might just take different angles on it. It's less access. It's less ability to hold them accountable. What is the next step for this? Will this be publicly debated? When will that happen? It was assigned to the Senate Business and Labor Committee. I have not seen it come up on the agenda yet. Brian Schott, thank you so much for talking to me and thank you for continuing to follow this bill. Thanks. And Brian Maffley discusses his new reporting on the Utah Lake Restoration Project. This is Brian Maffley. I'm a reporter at the Salt Lake Tribune. I've been following the so-called Utah Lake Restoration Project. And this morning, I got my first look at the details that are being proposed for fixing this beautiful lake's extensive problems. And it looks like to me like it's going to be geoengineering on an epic scale where they're going to dredge a billion cubic yards of sediment off the bed of the lake and sculpting that material into 34 islands and 189 miles of new shoreline. So will this restoration project result in a mecca for wildlife and recreation, as boosters claim, or an ecological catastrophe? Either way, the West's third largest freshwater lake would be utterly transformed. And figuring out that project's actual impacts is now the job of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, which has just released the 194-page permit application submitted by Lake Restoration Solution, the Utah company behind this proposal. The vast majority of the 18,000 acres of land created would support real estate development that the company says would generate billions of dollars required to, quote, comprehensively restore and enhance the lake. Utah health officials reported just over 3,600 new COVID-19 cases yesterday, although a statewide test shortage may have been obscuring transmissibility data. And although hospitalizations are still high, they dropped again Wednesday to 781. Tired of driving? Then, some good news. It's free ride February, meaning the Utah Transit Authority has waived fares for this month. And that's it for Thursday. Thanks for the Tribune's Joel Cárdenas for editing the Daily Boss. And a big shout out to Solix Citizen, the Pelicans, for our music. Have a good day, folks.